Hi, this is Jim Labedo, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. Welcome to BizTalk with Jim Labato, a full hour of insight, discussion, and opinion on you, your career, and your business. We tackle your frustrations, your hopes, and even get to some of your dreams. The office is now open. Here's your BizTalk host, Jim Labato, on News Radio 1040, WHO. Welcome to BizTalk. I'm your host, Jim Labato. If you're new in sales, and you're struggling, and you're thinking about uh, maybe this wasn't the right career path for you, if you're a seasoned veteran in sales, and you're wondering why what you've been doing maybe for the last 10 or 15 years no longer seems to be as effective as it was once in the past, then you come to the right program. Because on our program tonight, we're going to be talking to Chris Lytle. Chris Lytle is the best-selling author who wrote the book, The Accidental Salesperson, and uh, he's updated it. He's come out with a second edition. We've talked to Chris originally. In fact, I think he was our first guest on BizTalk Biz way back in 2008. So it's great having Chris back on the program. He'll be up shortly, and we're going to talk about his new and revised edition of The Accidental Salesperson. So stay tuned for that. A couple more resources in, uh, out on our website if you're looking for things that would enhance what you're doing at work, first of all, we've completely redone the BizTalk website. It's worth going out and look at. It's it's easier to navigate. You're going to find podcasts from all of our previous programs available. You can download them directly from the website. You can subscribe to them through iTunes. And also, when you click on the images of all of our previous guests, that either takes you to their website or over to Amazon.com where you can have uh, direct access to their book. So starting next week, uh, Chris is on the front page with us. That image of him will be moved down below, and that will connect you right up to where you can find and click to his website or to his book. So that's the way we set up the website now to make it easier to find access to our experts that are on the program. You can also go to Key Insights, which is um, a tab we have with a couple blogs on it. The first one is Sales Quick Coach, Two-Minute Timeouts to Improve Your Performance. We'll email that to you every Tuesday if you subscribe or we post it out on the website. Also, Hire the Best, which is insights on hiring A players in today's marketplace, is a blog that will also email to you every Thursday, and those insights are available also on the website. You can follow us uh, on um, uh, Twitter at BizTalk1040. So we have a Twitter account, BizTalk1040, and also you can like us on Facebook. So plenty of access to everything we have available on uh, BizTalk. Okay, I was thinking about uh, our program today, and one of the things I truly enjoy is movies. I like everything about movies. But I'm the type of guy that, you know, looks at how the lighting is and looks at the camera angles and looks at the plot development, the character development. So I'm really into movies. And recently I watched The Samaritan, starring Samuel Jackson, 
who plays an ex-con named Foley. Now, the movie opens with Foley being released from prison, and he makes this statement as you see him being released. Uh, the statement is, if you keep on doing what you've always done, you keep on being what you've always been, nothing changes unless you make it change. The movie is about Foley's conviction to that belief and how it affects the decisions he makes. You know, as a movie, The Samaritan is worth seeing, but what has haunted me since seeing that is the opening statement that Foley made. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you keep on being what you've always been. Nothing changes unless you make it change. It had me thinking about my daily routines and the things that I do on a daily basis and whether those choices are leading me to the results, to the results that I'm looking for. And some of those come up, yes, and some of those come up, well, maybe I should be looking at some things differently. My question is, what about you? In 2008, the employment market turned upside down. In fact, everything turned upside down. Uh, the recession accelerated the changes that have affected everything to do in business, as well as our economy and pretty much everything else. And we all took a right turn into that recession, and we're all coming back online at different uh, parts of the country coming back on back online at faster than some than the other, and industries are recovering some faster than the others. So we all went in together, but we're not all coming out together. A couple trends I've noticed. One is on the employment side. Uh, there's a shrinking labor pool of experienced players. A player candidates are sticking with their jobs instead of moving. Mediocre players uh, who got out of the game and um, are looking at new opportunities are basically being ones that are recycled. So the mediocre ones are being recycled. The A players are staying put, and there's a shrinking labor pool out there, uh, especially in the experienced angle of things. While the trend continues to affect the labor market, uh, my question is what have you changed in keeping ahead of those trends? What have you changed about your hiring practices to tap into that talent pool that you need, and what do you need in order to be competitive in the future? If writing a job description, posting an ad on job boards that describes the position, taking resumes, and still making your decision on first cuts solely based on those resumes, then you're sorely behind. I hate to spoil the movie for you, but Foley ends up dying in the end, but not for the reasons you may think. He dies for his belief that he must make a change in order for things to be more positive and have a positive effect on his future. So 2008 was four years ago. But I still run into HR departments. I still run into hiring managers. I still run into VPs of sales who insist that they keep doing it the same old way. On the sales side of things, there's no question that buyers are harder to find, let alone get any response out of. Having face-to-face -face meetings anymore seems to be the exception rather than the rule. And if you look at the fact that um, if you're quoting and hoping today in getting things put out there, uh, you're going to get left behind and your products and services are being shopped like a commodity. Now, in, if any of that sounds familiar, you come to the right place because a person who has constantly changed to stay ahead of the times is our guest, Chris Lytle. And we're going to be talking about how the effect that changes have met, that have been made from this recession. And, and by the way, I think the recession was the triggering event. These changes were coming. Just when we went so hard into that recession, they accelerated and they and they have we've gone down this path and we're not going to go back. And it just sped up the process that we were headed anyway.
So if you're in any of those situations and you're looking for some answers, then I think uh, you want to stay tuned and hear what Chris has to say. The book is The Accidental Salesperson, How to Take Control of Your Sales Career and Earn the Respect and Income that You Deserve. More with Chris when we come back. Talk about profitable listening. This is Biz Talk with Jim Labato on News Radio 1040 WHO. I'm glad you had a chance to join us here this evening. Our guest is Chris Lytle. Chris is president of Spark Incorporated, an acclaimed leader in the sales training field. He's conducted more than 2,100 seminars worldwide, is the author of The Accidental Salesperson, as well as The Accidental Sales Manager. He lives in Chicago with his partner and his wife. And you can learn more about this uh, book um, by going to theaccidentalsalesperson.com. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey, Jim, it's the Accidental Salesperson 2012.com right now. Oh, 2012.com. Okay. Well, <laughs> that little distinction. It's the second edition. So, yeah. So keep it updated then, right? It's very updated. I've got all the forms and tools from the book on that website so people can get, uh, without even buying the book, they can get some of the, some of the information. Chris, you have a, a very interesting question on the back cover of your book. <laughs> it says, have you chosen a career in sales or has it chosen you? And I venture to say most of the people listening to our program tonight accidentally got involved in sales. And, and so uh, explain to our audience the genesis behind why you started the book and your thoughts behind putting it together. Well, Jim, you, you mentioned all the seminars that I've done and, and – uh... One of the things that I always ask at the beginning of my seminar was how many of you in this room in the third grade, when someone asked, what do you want to be when you grow up, would have said, I want to be in sales. And oh, I, I ask that question thousands of times. And usually maybe two or three percent of the hands of the room went up. And so when I was getting ready to write the book, uh, I had a I had a working title. It was called uh, "How to Keep Your Sales Open Long Enough to Get Them Closed," and I kept shopping this book around. And I got an agent, and she said, "You got to come up with a new title." And so I, I decided I set a goal on one Saturday morning to to brainstorm a hundred titles. And I flipped on the word processor up in my office at my home, and I typed the accidental salesperson. And then I didn't need to type anymore because that was it. And and the accidental salesperson, of course, was a sort of a ripoff of The Accidental Tourist uh, by Ann Tyler, which was a fabulous book and a fabulous movie. But most of us are accidental salespeople. We didn't plan on a career in sales. We became salespeople because uh, that was the only opportunity that we could take or because the job that we took uh, involved selling. But you know what? As long as long as you're in business, you're in sales. And I asked one time, I asked a dentist, uh, "What's the biggest problem in dentistry today?" He said, "Selling." They don't teach you that at the Ohio State University, but you've got to learn to sell. People will object if you tell them you have to pull a wisdom tooth. And of course, the old joke is, "What do you call it? An attorney who can sell?" And the answer is, "Partner." Yeah, I think Chris, most of our uh... Other guests we've had in the program will tell you that the reason that some small business startups fail is because 
not because they didn't have a good idea. They just couldn't sell their good idea. And it seems yep. like, you know, any profession you're in today, because it's become so, so competitive, you're always selling something. Right. And, and, you know, Peter, the, the great Peter Drucker, the late great Peter Drucker said, uh, you know, all successful salespeople sell concepts. That's why they're successful. And so I, I think we've, we, We've got to focus on what the product does for people. We, we sell the idea, and we sell the future. We're, we're not just selling what the product we sell, but what, will, what it will do for you and how it will make your life better. Because, you know, all of our problems are today, but all of our excitement is in the future. And if we can tell people how to make their lives better and how to make more money and how to, you know, have less downtime on their equipment, uh, that's what we're really selling. We're not selling the product. We're selling the the future and, and what the product will do for you. Well, let's uh, talk about that for a second, because in getting prepared for this uh, broadcast tonight, I was, you know, you and I talked previously, and I said, well, do you have a list of questions? And, of course, you said, well, why don't you read the book and come up with your own? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I was thinking, I was looking for the easy way out because I read the book uh, when it first came out. And I, and I thought, oh, okay, and he's making it hard on me here. So I, I actually have to go read this thing again, which I did read it. And uh, and I'm glad that I did because there are a lot of good stories in this book. It's it's not the, – the how-to is in there, but also the real-life stories, in my opinion, really make the book. And uh, I want to get into some of those stories that really uh, exemplify some of the principles you talk about. But let's let's stick with the concept that people accidentally have gotten into sales, and let's talk to our newer salespeople out there that uh, find themselves in that situation. You start off with the book uh, on, on a, a couple really key points. Uh, number one, it's about uh, making the choice, and number two, it's about using your chart. And I really like your 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 quote you put in the book about everybody says we need to get the next level, but nobody knows what the next <laughs> level is. Yeah. <laughs> So, but let's talk about that at, at, at first, because when you and I first met, um, I remember I was saying to myself when I started in sales, and I, I'd, you know, cold called for three years and accidentally sold some things. But I remember having the epiphany. I said, either either I'm going to get better, I'm going to get gone, because this is no way to make a living. And you and I got connected, and you were really helpful in my career. And but it was that choice of you know making the commitment: either I'm going to get better, I'm going to get gone. And I remember that because it, I, if I wasn't going to get better, uh, there, surely there was something easier than going door to door and asking people to buy something. So talk to your audience if they find themselves in that situation where they're questioning the choice that they made and, and the commitment that they have to make. Well, uh, it, it's a wonderful question, and it's a, it's a huge issue because you have so many choices. You know, the, the mantra of the accidental salesperson is I was looking for a job when I found this one. And so I could look for another job. I don't have to commit to anything. And, and the problem with that is if we don't commit and, and start to get good at something, then we'll always be starting a new career and never really growing in a career. And I, you know, one of my things is I say that what's the biggest investment you can make because, you know, we're on, the great WHO radio, but I'll bet there have been commercials on that radio station that say your car is the second biggest investment you'll ever make. And your home is the big, you know, banks do that. The, the bank will advertise your home is the biggest investment you'll ever make. But 
the reality is your career is the biggest investment you ever make because the paycheck from your career funds your car payment and funds your mortgage payment and pays for your second home and pays for your expensive hobbies, whatever those are, and funds your children's college education. And so you have to decide that this is what I'm going to get good at or you'll never be good at anything. And I think it was Guy Kawasaki that said, success is specific. There is no generic success. You have to be successful at something. So when you when you get into a sales job, you have to decide, is this what I'm going to commit to, or am I going to commit to finding another job? And the people who commit to a career uh, and really get good at it and, and enjoy it and have passion for it, are the ones that are ultimately successful. Yeah, and I think you would agree that the the profession of sales is is a lifelong journey. Just when you think you got it figured out, it's like peeling back the layers of the onion. There's always something new to learn about what you're doing. Let's talk Absolutely. about let's talk about for a second then, and thank you for that because without that commitment, um, nothing else in your book is going to work. So if you're not going to make that commitment, then don't even bother to pick up the book. But if you want to make that commitment, there's plenty of reasons you'll find in the book that will reinforce that. So let's talk about really, so the foundational part is the commitment. The second part, which I, and again, I read this again for probably the hundredth time, but rereading it in your book, it's the use of the chart. So explain to our audience the power behind uh, the chart you have in, in terms of where you're at as a salesperson. Right, and and the chart uh, is a, is a PDF that's on the AccidentalSalesperson2000.com that you can actually take a look at. But essentially it has four different stages that the relationship a salesperson can have with a customer. And level one is sort of a perfunctory, I'm, I'm, you know, what's happening? I, hi, I'm your new sales rep. Um, and the, your goal is really to see what's happening. In level two, your goal is to uh, find a problem that you can help them with. In goal, in level three, your goal is your your sales call objective is to uh, you know be of service, be a business resource, and ultimately try to become a partner and and really have access to proprietary information that the customer has. But essentially, it's a behavioral look at at the way selling evolves and relationships evolve, and you know the, when I've shown it to CEOs, they they go wow. If you could just get someone to to sell at level two, where they're you know they have a pre-call plan, they have a purpose for the meeting, they've done a little pre-meeting research, they've actually written down a question or two that they want to ask, and the goal is to be of service, not to be liked, then my salesperson would be differentiated from ninety percent of his or her competitors when they walk in the door. And that's really what I do with the chart is to try to help you behaviorally uh, align what you do with what customers value from a salesperson. We're talking with Chris Lytle. We're talking about the revised edition of his best-selling book, The Accidental Salesperson, How to Take Control of Your Sales Career and Earn the Respect and Income that You Deserve. When we come back, we'll ask Chris the difference between being on a sales department versus being a member of a sales force. That with Chris right after this. You're listening to Biz Talk on News Radio 1040 WHO. 
Our guest tonight is Chris Lytle. We're talking about his book, The Accidental Sales Person. Don't forget, resources are available on our website, biztalkradioshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at biztalk1040. Chris, I was reminded in your book, even though it's the second edition, there's still fundamentally a lot of good stuff in here that really hasn't changed since uh, you first published the book. And one of those other foundational things is you know, your question in the start of Chapter 4, are you a member of a sales department or a sales force? So talk to our audience about the difference between the two. Well, let me t- – and that ch- that chart is available on the website as well, so I, I want to give you a couple of those. But Well, let's genesis- mention, mention the website again then. Uh, the accidental, TheAccidentalSalesPerson2012.com. Thank and you. we have the chart. We have the uh, appointment-getting system. We have the uh, uh, difference between the sales department and the sales force. So uh, I got this call from a general manager at a radio station in Milwaukee, and she said, I'm thinking about bringing you in to do a seminar for our sales department. This was many years ago, and it was right before I wrote, was writing the first edition. And I always ask when someone brings me in to do a presentation, sales training, how would you like people to be different when I'm gone? Because the only thing I care about in my life anymore is do I help people get the results they're looking for? And this woman said to me, she said, well, I've got some highly paid salespeople on my staff making six-figure incomes who developed some extraordinary faxing skills. And I would like them to have some selling skills. And she was describing the fact that they were they had enough, a uh, big enough book of business, as we call it, or they had a great account list, and they were dealing with some advertising agencies, and they were sending over the avails and, and the pricing. But they really weren't being proactive. And so one of the, the distinctions we make is that that uh, members of a sales force have extraordinary selling skills. Member of a sales department have extraordinary, in, in those days, faxing skills, today emailing skills or scanning skills. Uh, and the, the other major difference is members of a sales department are proactive and members of a sales members of a sales force are proactive members of a sales department are reactive they wait until the buyer initiates the transaction instead of actually going out and finding a problem that they can make a proposal for so what's the number one advice you would give somebody new in sales about being proactive because that seems to be one of the most difficult things is to pick up that phone and initiate that and you know that conversation or get the ball rolling as it were you know jim it's changed over the years because i've just run into uh a wonderful book what it's called what great Salespeople do it's it's uh i'm trying to think of michael bosworth's book and he's, he's got a partner he wrote it with and part of it is making the call with some humility and some vulnerability in that you're calling people not to say that you can help them, but to see if you can help them and not assuming that you can help them. 
but only to find out what the situation is and and to and to find out what the truth is about their situation and not try to sell them anything on the first meeting but to position your offering or position to ask a good question or to get them thinking but simply to make the call in a in a spirit of of humble that your your humbleness that you're not there to save their lives but just to find out what their truth is uh, even with there's uh, the pressure that seems to be that uh, what they hear from their bosses well you you need to be selling something today this week this month this quarter well or is yeah, that the real well and that's the that's the it's an interesting thing because the more pressure we put on people, the more pressure they put on their customers and the more their customers retreat from them. So it's a huge problem in industry today, as you know, that that the real pressure and the real problem has to be in the customer's business. The customer has the worry. The customer has the problem. And if I believe I can help them, then it's easy to pick up the phone because I've got something that will help make your life better because you've got the real problem you've got a you've got a problem that i can solve so as long as i think it's my problem that i have to sell you or i'm going to lose my job i'm not going to do very well if i have the philosophy the belief the concern for the client uh my life gets a lot easier now i always tell people that they're the ones with the problem if they don't want to fix it there's there's plenty of opportunity somewhere else. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So just hang up the phone and move on to the next one. <laughs> In your book, you also make a pretty bold statement uh, that we must quit making sales calls. Now, to the sales professional, that may seem uh, counterintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? That's the title of chapter five, I think. Yeah, I, the title of chapter I, five. Right? I, I put the, I put that in there. I hope I was hoping that some uh, PR firm would say sales trainer advises against making sales calls, <laughs> and it would be a very controversial thing. And and you know I, the tro- the story was I was I, I went to a uh, uh, I, I I went to a, a company that had hired me as a consultant, not just a trainer, but they wanted me to come in and look at their sales process and. And you know how that arduous that can be. And the guy said, I've got to make 10 calls a day. This is the sales manager. I, they're making 10 calls a day. Uh, do you think I should have them make more calls? I said, well, how are sales? He said, sales are terrible. But I think they should be making more calls. And I said, well, let me, let me look at the call reports. And I read five or six of the call reports, and they were, they were writing down things like left message, uh, Dropped in to see Joe, but he was having pizza with a vendor at Happy Joe's Pizza Parlor. They were they were detailed recall reports of meetings that never happened. And then I went and talked to the salespeople, and they I said, why, why did you even document the fact that you dialed the phone and, and got a busy signal? Or you well he he wants us to write you know he wants us to make ten calls a day, so everything I do I call a call. And it just it, it occurred to me that you need to call what you do, what it is. So if you dial the phone and get a busy signal, that's a dial. If you dial the phone and someone actually picks up and you have a conversation, that's a contact. And if that conversation turns into a face-to-face meeting, you've had a first meeting, 
and then you might have done a needs analysis, and ultimately you write a proposal. But don't call it a call. Call it what it was. And the other thing that I've coined, it hasn't caught on throughout the world, but some of my customers are starting to, to use these this, this term. It's, it's called a scheduled sales conversation. And a scheduled sales conversation is a conversation with an, a purpose, which is to move the sales process along to the next step. And it doesn't have to be face-to-face. It could be a phone call. It could be a go-to-meeting or WebEx. Uh, but the purpose of, of it is it's scheduled, and, there's a, and the customer or the prospect has it on his calendar or hers, and you have it on your calendar, and there's a, a purpose that both of you have agreed on for that next meeting. It's a scheduled sales conversation. So are you having an SSC today? SSC. Yeah. Do you have an SSC? What's your next step? Is it on the client's calendar as well as yours, or is it just on your list to, to chase this customer down? <clears throat> the biggest problem we have in selling today <clears throat> is we have information seekers who will let us chase them all, all for weeks. And we have prospects who will engage with us and put us on the calendar for a next step. And those are the people that are likely to buy. But the biggest problem is, is that we have, we've called these people who say they're interested prospects when they're only information seekers. Yeah, because there's plenty of free information out there today. And, and uh, <laughs> sometimes we think people think it's their job just to keep giving them more information. So I, yeah. I, I like the how, how do you discern the difference between there, and that's one of the, the things that I pick, did pick up in your book uh, by reading it here on the second edition. I thought, you know, that that really is insightful because that's what it's come down to today. In in the old days, the old days, you know, prior to two thousand eight, you know, it was it was called I was going on an appointment. Well, today, you know, there really isn't appointments as much as there are scheduled next meetings. Right. Okay. I mean, I I do. Ninety-five percent of my business online right now, Jim, and you know we we have a a salesperson who works out of her home in in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And my office is in Chicago, and she calls prospects and and does web tours all day long. When we come back. Uh, we'll talk about the importance of what you do in terms of putting it into a repeatable process, because if you've accidentally got involved in sales, that's probably the next biggest hurdle that you're struggling with. Our guest is Chris Lytle. The book is The Accidental Salesperson, How to Take Control of Your Sales Career and Earn the Respect and Income You Deserve. More real than your fourth quarter sales forecast, this is Viz Talk with Jim Lovato on WHO. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm your guest, Jim Lovato, and on our program is Chris Lytle. We're talking about his book, The Accidental Salesperson. Don't forget that podcast of all of our previous programs, as well as tonight's program, eventually will be up there probably another week or so, are available by going out to biztalkradioshow.com. Hey, Jim, did you write that more real than your fourth quarter forecast? Uh, yes, I did. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, um, you know, I, I was thinking about um, your book here. And just a lot of good quotes in this. Um, you call them the magic question, and uh, there's so many here. I'm just not going to get into it. 
But what I was thinking about was, um, since you have written the book and the selling environment we're in today, what has really changed? Uh, Tom Klobuchar in your your city there, Chicago, was a guest, and he wrote the book, the uh, the great um, um, employment revolution that, that's going on. And he said, uh, you know, people of our generation are digital immigrants, and and the newer generation are digital natives. In other words, they grew up with all this digital stuff. And he drew relationship to how some of the digital things have, are affecting the employment marketplace. How is this digital really affected sales, in your opinion? Well, it's it certainly affected it in, in that uh, every buyer is one or two clicks away from another vendor and probably a lower price. Um, so that's the biggest change. So in, any salesperson today has to be more than a glorified website. They have to be bringing deeper information into a company, uh, information that's not readily available, or, or they're not really going to be given the time of day. So, yeah, the, the Internet has changed everything, as well as the, the other thing that's maddening uh, is the buying committee, <laughs> where, where you're, you're meeting with an information seeker who's representing three or four or five other uh, stakeholders in this, in this buy, especially in a more complex sale. So there's the buying committee and the Internet and, of course, the abundance of information already available about the product and the problem. You mentioned in your book, and maybe this is a carryover or maybe it's just new, uh, but it really stood out um, for me. Uh, Quoting from the book, you say, you've got to market your professionalism and not just sell your product. Tell our audience about that. Well... I was on an airplane flight many, many years ago, and, and uh, I was had finished a six-hour seminar, and I rarely talk to people after a seminar. So t- after I do a six-hour seminar, I'm just wrung out. And so I usually just put on my headset and chill out. But this guy, as I sat down in this, I'd been upgraded to first class on United, and I shook hands with him. He, sh- or he, he offered his hand and introduced himself, and he said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a speaker. I don't, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> what do you do? He said, he said, well, I'm retired. And he was a young guy. I said, what'd you do? He said, I started a software company. And we, we talked about how he'd succeeded. And he, and I think he finally got t- tired of talking to me. And he said, do you want to know the secrets of success? And I said, yeah. You retired at 30. He said, well, you got to know what you're doing, which is obvious. But you got to know you know what you're doing so you can repeat those successes over and over again, which gets into process. And then you've got to be known for what you know, because when you're known for what you know, people come to you for help and advice and not just your lowest price. And so becoming known for what you know instead of what you sell is really has always been my goal uh, since then, is, is really putting information out there so that, so that I become known for what I know and not just what I sell, which is sales training. I'd rather give you... 10 minutes of my sales training so you could evaluate that and and see what I know than just give you a pitch for how good my sales training is. Yeah, and with LinkedIn today and all the digital resources that are available, uh, people can publish pretty quickly uh, what they're an expert in. So I, th- I think that's one of the uh, technical advantages that, that are out there. So 
The other question I have uh, centers around um, being able to get through to people today. So what advice do you have in your book about getting connected to people? Well, I, I think you need a variety of methods to get through to people, as, as you know. I mean, and, and one of the things I talk about in the book is snail mail, which, which seems so uh, anachronistic. But if, if you would write a two- or three-paragraph note or, or even a, a card, a postcard, uh, the average person today gets one personally addressed, handwritten note every six weeks. I just saw that on uh, NBC Nightly News. So a business letter today gets more attention because you actually hold it in your hand and notice it and somebody has a, a blue ink signature on the bottom uh, than the person who gets a thousand, you know, it, it has more impact than the the hundred emails that people get every day. So, I, you know, that's one of the things in the book that I never would have really thought about 11 years ago when I wrote the first edition, is how powerful it is to send someone a note and then follow that note up with a phone call. So, Chris, as we wrap up tonight's program, is there one question tonight I should have asked you that I haven't yet? Oh, that's a trick question. How much does the book cost? No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, Jim, you know what? Um, I think the one question that I would ask is, do you still enjoy selling? And I've been doing, I've I've been selling for 40 years and I found it a never ending source of challenge. I mean, I like to do crossword puzzles and I like to do Sudokus, but man, every day in selling, it's an interesting problem that stretches your brain and it never gets tiring for me. Yeah. And, 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 that's why I'd recommend getting the book. It, it was good to reread it and just get revitalized on some of the things that I know to be true just from reading the first edition and then all the new examples you bring into the book. It, it really was uh, re-energizing to go back and read the book. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. People want to get a copy or learn more information about uh, Chris Lytle, where would they go? Well, certainly you can you can get the Accidental Salesperson second edition on Amazon.com. There's a Kindle edition. And then, of course, on my website, the Accidental Salesperson 2012, all the forms. If you buy the Kindle edition, the forms are a little hard to read. So we put all the forms on that site. Um, my company website is uh, www.spark, S-P-A-R-Q-U-E, dot biz, B-I-Z, uh, spark.biz. So, um, you know, and we would love to have you take a look at that and uh, give us a call if we can help you. That's great. And also for our audience, uh, keep in mind, like we said before, we've redone the BizTalk website, biztalkradioshow.com. And next week there will be a direct link to uh, Chris's company and also to his book available out there on our website so people can get connected that way. Hey, Jim, I know we don't have any time, but what what was the highlight of the book for you? The, the new edition. Oh, the highlight of the book. Um, I would say, and this is, this is going to sound uh, so crazy, um, but it was uh, the magic question on page, I even wrote this down because I'm going to talk to you about it. Magic question on page 71. And the magic question is, are you willing to work with me on a calendar basis? 
And, and the reason that was one of the highlights is because everybody says, well, call me next week. Well, call me here. Call me then. And I want to know if you want to work with me on a calendar basis. It's a way to separate yourself and just be more professional. So that that's one of the gems I took out of the book. And I've got a dog ear and highlighted all over the place. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, Chris, thanks for being on our program tonight. My pleasure, Jim. Thank you. Our guest has been Chris Lytle. The book is The Accidental Salesperson, How to Take Control of Your Sales Career and Earn the Respect and Income that You Deserve. This or other BizTalk podcasts may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com, where you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040 and like us on Facebook. If you want to learn the strategies finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, Contact Performance Group by calling 800-950-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.